Welcome to Religion and Life This Week at the Logan Institute. My name is Annika from the LDSSA Student Council. This week's speaker is John Groberg, who originally spoke here at the Institute in April of 2019. Elder John H. Groberg was born in Idaho Falls, Idaho. As a young man, he served a mission in Tonga where he experienced many miracles among the faithful Tongan saints, including several where his life was saved. He married Jean Sabin, the girl who waited for him to return, and they had 11 children together. He has served as a regional representative of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, a bishop, president of the Idaho Falls Temple, and a mission president in Tonga, where he also served as a full-time missionary. Two movies have been made about his experiences in Tonga, both as a young missionary and as a mission president. In April 1976, he was called as a General Authority 70. At the time of his call, he shared that he promised the Lord at an early age to serve him all his life. His life is evidence of his faithful fulfillment of that promise. Good morning. Have to hurry and say that because it'll be afternoon in 15 minutes. I want to welcome our front row here Talofa, uh, Maloelele, Irana, Bula, whatever else you would like to be called. Thank you for attending. I, I want to ask to begin by just asking you a question Who do you trust? Think about it for a moment. Who do you trust? Do you trust your teachers? Do you trust your roommates? Do you trust Google? Uh, <laughs> yeah, who, 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 who do you trust? Just stop and think about it for a moment. And I don't mean this to be light. I mean it to be serious that... Uh, the world is in a crisis of trust, not knowing who to trust. Some of the people we thought we could trust on a national level, on a local level, even in our families, um, betray that trust. And I'd like to talk about that for a moment. But while you're thinking of who you trust, I'd like to ask a second question. And this is maybe the most important. Am I trustworthy? Am I trustworthy? Can people trust me? Now, this season is, of course, Easter. And Easter, I think, has as much to do with trust in the Lord as any season in, that we have. And I want to testify to each of you that as we trust the Lord with all of our hearts, and you've heard that said by many people, the scripture from Proverbs, as we trust the Lord, everything will be all right. As we lean not unto our own understandings, but trust him. So the answer to the question, who do you trust? can be as follows. Trust the Lord and you'll always be all right. But you say, but there's other people too. I have to go to classes. I have to do all these other. Trust those who trust the Lord. You'll be all right. If you trust people who don't trust the Lord, you're not going to be all right. Trust in the Lord. 
I testify to you that God lives and loves you, that Jesus is the Savior. He is trustworthy. As we put our trust in him, things work out all right. I testify that there is a resurrection, that all of us eventually will be resurrected, and all of us will stand before the Savior and account for what we've, what we've done or what we haven't done. And it, it's a wonderful thing when you think about it to know, to absolutely know that we're going to live again. Um, I, I, in, my, in the first book, I had a little statement that said, uh, as we trust in the Lord, things will work out all right because there's, there is life after death. And if we understand the connection between this life and, each, and heaven, there is a connection between heaven and earth. If we understand that connection, everything has meaning, including death, because death then is just a pathway to heaven. If we miss that meaning, if we miss that connection, Nothing has real meaning, including life, because we don't know what to do. So trust, trust the Lord. Now, now, now I want to get down to a, a, a couple of more personal things. When I asked who should we trust, it's a little bit ethereal to say trust the Lord, because you hear that all the time, but it's the most important. That's why I put it first. Then decide who you can trust of people that you deal with. And as I said, trust those who trust the Lord. Let me give a quick example. I'd like my wife, Jane, to just stand for just a moment. Um, Jane grew up in Southern California, and I grew up in Idaho Falls. And I know this is not the best word to use here, but we met at BYU. Uh, she came up from California. I came down from Idaho Falls, and we didn't know each other. But she had a sister who was just a little older than her, and I had a sister that was just a little older than me. And the two of them played violins in the symphony orchestra. And they were what they call standmates. That is, there's a music stand, and they both used the same stand. So they became friends, and as they were talking one day, Jean's sister said, you know, I have a little sister that's been here for a whole month and hasn't been out on a date yet. And uh, my sister said, hmm, I've got a little brother that's been here for a whole month, and he hasn't been out on a date either. Why don't we fix that? Well, her sister talked to her, and she said, absolutely no way. I don't have any idea who it is. I don't like to go on a blind date. My sister talked to me, and I said, thumbs down, absolutely not. I'm not going to go on a blind date with someone I've never met, don't even know. And then something strange happened. All of a sudden, 
I said, my sister's name is Julia. I said, Julia, I trust you. Do you know this girl? She says, no, but I know her sister. And her sister's really a good girl. And she, and she says her sister's just like her. Jean talked to her sister and said, do you know Julie's brother? No, but I know Julie. And she's a good girl. And she wouldn't lead us astray. <clears throat> our sister, we trusted our sisters. Jean trusted her sister. I trusted my sister. They I, we just knew they wouldn't do something that would hurt us. They wanted to do things that would help us. So we both agreed, uh, albeit a bit reluctantly, but we did agree because we trusted our sisters. Well, that, that was one of the most important decisions that either of us ever made. Never met each other. When I walked up to her dorm and knocked on the door, I, I don't know what I expected to see. I think I probably, in my mind, was geared for the worse. And so when it turned out to be this beautiful angel answered the door, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> now let me, we're going to go through a few things uh, a little bit later with some clips, but let me just, so that you catch the vision of where we're going. We trusted our sisters because they were trustworthy. And that led to the greatest events in our life. As you trust those who are trustworthy, both of our sisters were trusted in the Lord. They both had testimonies. We knew they wanted the best for us. And we followed what they wanted us to do, again, because we trusted them. Now, that's on a practical level. Who do you trust? I ask that question again. Trust those who trust the Lord, and you'll be all right. Don't trust those who don't trust the Lord, because they'll lead you astray, even though they might have good intentions. You have to decide, and you have to make up your mind and I testify that if you trust those who trust the Lord, you'll be all right. It's only been a few weeks since conference. I testify to you that you can trust President Nelson. You can trust the First Presidency. You can trust, to, you can trust the brothers and sisters who are called to positions. You can trust your bishop. You can trust your stake presence. You can trust your your institute leaders and teachers. You can trust all of those who trust the Lord. But I caution you, don't put your trust in people who do not have faith in the Lord, who do not trust the Lord. They may be very, very good people. I'm not trying to criticize or downgrade them. But I testify to you that your trust in people who trust the Lord 
his trust well placed. Now, I talked about the resurrection. Let me let me just read uh, a couple of verses from the Book of Mormon and one from the Doctrine and Covenants about trust. Here's Alma speaking to his son Helaman. This is in the 32nd chapter of Alma, verse 3. <clears throat> and now my son Helaman, and I'd like that to be now my son Jim or John or James or Jill or Jane or whoever, my daughter or son. Oh, my son Helaman or my daughter Helen, behold, thou art in thy youth, and that's to all of you. Therefore, I beseech of thee that thou wilt hear my words. Now, I'm, I'm reading Alma's words to his son Shiblon, but I'm asking you to translate that into my words to you. Hear my words and learn of me, for I do know, and I personally do know, that whosoever shall put their trust in God shall be supported in their trials and their troubles and their afflictions and shall be lifted up in the last day. Now, what did I just say? That's, that's Alma's words, but it's my words. I promise you that if you put your trust in God, you will be supported, not the trials won't go away, but you'll be supported in your trials in your troubles. Your troubles won't go away, but you'll be supported in them. And your afflictions. Afflictions won't go away, but you'll be supported in them. And shall be lifted up at the last day. That word lifted up has many meanings. One is the resurrection. I promise you there is a resurrection. I know that. That's not something that I just believe. I know it's true. You'll be lifted up at the last day. Now I'd like to just show a brief clip from the first uh, movie, The Other Side of Heaven, uh, that to demonstrate this point. Um, many times on my mission I had unusual experiences. I, I, I maybe should say just one thing. President Monson recently passed away, and when I was first called as a general authority, he called me into his office one day and said, John, I'd like you to write a book about your missionary experiences. And I said, uh, okay, I, you know, you learn to be obedient <laughs> to those that are that are, uh, but I'd never written a book before, and I had no desire to. It was nothing, but he said, I want you to do it. Well, I kind of put it off, and a couple months later, he said, how are you coming? I said, well, I'm, I'm thinking seriously about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, think more seriously. <laughs> a couple months later, how are you coming? Well, I've got an outline. I want the manuscript on my desk in one year from today. Because he could tell I was kind of 
waffling a little bit. When you're given an assignment by an apostle, you do it. So I worked one year from that day, and it wasn't a day earlier, it was one, day, one year from that day, I finally put the manuscript on his desk. About two days later, he called me in and said, it's great, I love it, there's one problem. What's the problem? You don't say anything about when you were mission president. And I said, well, you, you asked me to write a book about my mission. And he looked at me with that glare that only can come from President Monson and said, you don't consider being a mission president a mission? <laughs> uh, well, of course, of course. <laughs> Well, now you've got to write another book about when you were mission president. <laughs> I'll give you two years this time. Well, the first book became uh, The Other Side of Heaven. The second book will become The Other Side of Heaven, too. Let me just show you a clip from the first one about trusting in the Lord and trusting one another. Gene and I dated off and on for quite a while, a couple years actually. Back in those days, you couldn't go on a mission when you were 19 because there was, it was just shortly after the um, Second World War and, and Korean War was still raging. They were still drafting young men. And uh, so, I had two years of college before I was finally able to go on a mission. They, they they signed an armistice in Korea, and then they allowed more missionaries to go out. But anyway, we dated for a couple of years. We had no agreement other than we would write to each other and just see what happens. And it turned out that my mission uh, was was three years, so we had the opportunity of writing to each other for three years. But it wasn't, it was almost five years to the day that we first met that we were finally married. But let me just show you this clip about trusting. Um, I, as I approach the end of my mission, and many of you are returned missionaries, you know how it feels. You don't want to, if, if you've had a good mission, and I assume you did, you don't want to leave. You don't think about going home. You, want, you think about, what can I get done here while I'm still here? I knew my time was running out. And in, in the mission I served in at that time, to get from island to island, and, and I was called to be a district president over 17 different islands, and they, they were all far apart, and we had no means of getting from one to the other except by sailboat. Uh, as I say, it wasn't too long after the Second World War and there were no machines of any nature. No motors or cars or electricity or running water, none of that stuff. It was just all uh, pretty... But, but we relied on, on sailboats to get from one place to another. We had been through quite a few storms but we'd never been capsized. We'd always made it through and I just assumed that was case. We had been on a preaching tour 
in a group of small islands and we're headed back home and we really hit a storm. Um, let's just show that clip, the storm now and then I'll make a couple other comments. Dear John, I am thrilled to hear about your new assignment, although I'm sure it is sometimes overwhelming. I felt that way when I finished school and took my first job down here in Anaheim. My friends are all back in Utah, my family in North Hollywood. Here I have only my students and lots of time to think of you. Are you well, John? Are you safe? Do you have time to think of me or are you completely lost in the Lord's work. The scriptures say you find your life by losing it. And as much as I miss you, I encourage you on in that quest. Lose yourself, John. Every last bit of yourself. Then, when you come home, I'll know I'm in love with the version of you God intended. Calmed the storm. Sometimes he calmed the sailor. Sometimes he just lets us to him.
I again promise you that as you trust the Lord and trust his ways and trust those who trust the Lord, things will turn out. I, as I mentioned, I had not thought about going home. I was, I was not anxious to go home. I wanted to stay there. We were just enjoying the work so much. But I knew I, I had to. And to me, this, this happened just, oh, maybe six weeks before I was to be released and go home. And honestly, I, I hadn't spent a lot of time thinking of Jane because I was so involved in the mission. I'd written letters and was hoping that to, to meet her and hoping she was still single when I got home. <laughs> But uh, but the fact of the matter is, I trusted the Lord, and I think, as I look back, that was really kind of the final sign. Because when I, I really got to a point, when you're fighting against heavy waves, you, uh, you can only do it so long, and then you just plain run out of energy. You just, it's not that you quit, it's just that you... You can't put one hand in front of another. And, and when it kind of got to that point, and I just realized, oh, this, this may be the end. Because I just, I just can't do it anymore. And it was as though the Lord allowed Jean's spirit and her faith and her trust in the Lord to just travel those 9,000 miles in a split second and reach down. Because at that moment, all of a sudden, when I was starting to think, well, maybe this is the end, I thought of Jean. I said, but I don't want to drown. I want to, I want to go home and marry Jean. <laughs> that thought, whether there was something that physically touched me or not, doesn't matter. The spirit touched me, and I thought, as I thought of Jean, some way or another, energy just flowed through my body, and I was able to get up and make it. And the rest, you know, we came home, and she was still there, and we did get married, and have had a wonderful family, a wonderful life together. Trust the Lord, and trust those who trust the Lord. Now, after we got married and had a family, um, I was, we went to school, finished school, got an MBA at uh, Indiana University. Then we moved back to Idaho Falls for enjoying life. They called me to serve as a bishop. I was enjoying that. And one day, I got a letter in the mail. And it, any of you that have served as bishops, you know you get a lot of mail from Salt Lake. And this one, Gene called and said, there's a letter for you. And I said, oh, where from? And she says, from Salt Lake. And I said, well, we get lots of mail from Salt Lake. And she says, yeah, but this one's different. It says Elder John H. Groberg, not Bishop John H. Groberg. And I just feel there's something different about it. So I rushed home from work, opened the letter, 
and read it, and, it, and I read it out loud, and it said, Dear Elder Groberg, you are hereby called to serve as a mission president and then the other things. You're to be in Salt Lake on June the 20th for training. And before you leave, if you and your wife will be here. Nowadays, when they call mission presidents, they have interviews ahead of time and find out. But this was the old Box B. <laughs> that was it. That was the letter. No one had said a word. I just opened it and read it and said, I looked at Jean. We had, we had four daughters at the time, and she was expecting our fifth child. We didn't know whether it would be a boy or a girl. We, were, we lived back in the dark ages where you didn't find that out until they were born. <laughs> But uh, my first script, I looked up at Jean and I said, oh my gosh, June 12th, how quick can you have that baby? <laughs> <laughs> We've got to be in Salt Lake on the 20th of June. Well, this was the end of April. She said, well, it's due the middle of May, so it'll work out. So anyway, <laughs> we left the end of June with five daughters then. The oldest was seven, the youngest was six weeks. We got to Tonga, lots of things happened there, and obviously we would like to have, we love, we love our daughters, and love all of them, there's no difference, but we would like to have a boy, and we were able to have a boy there in, in Tonga, the queen of Tonga, told Jane when she found out she was expecting after we'd been there a couple of years, she said, I think you're going to have a boy. I think you came to Tonga to get a boy. Let me just show this final clip, and uh, then I'll conclude with my testimony. This, this, is, this is a clip from the, uh, from the second movie. I have not seen the second movie, but I've seen clips here and there. So anyway. Absolutely true. I took that dear sister Morley by the hand, and I promised her, Alice, said I, you will be with him again. It's true, elders and sisters, absolutely true. I took that dear sister Morley by the hand, and I promised her, Alice, said I, you will be with him again. Neopuke anima o si ifineiki o pehekiai e alisi. Kulpoki! Kulpoki! Daddy, you have to come home! What is it, Nancy? Johnny's sick! We'll give him a blessing on the way. Go, 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 go. John Enoch Groberg, by virtue of the holy priesthood and in the name of Jesus Christ. Stop breathing. Stop breathing. Help him, Daddy. Help him. Holy cow. Let me drive. Get out of the way. 
power of God's priesthood, and in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to live and breathe until we can provide the proper care to sustain your life. Amen. Amen. Stay here and pray for it, dear. Pray very hard. Dear God, Johnny's sick. Please make him better. Please, God. No. Come on. No. Come on, please. Come on, Johnny. Please. Please. Thank you, Lord. Thanks be to God. son is very weak. His heart is barely beating. He will die soon if we cannot find the cause of this weakness. Oh, then we should do some tests. We don't have this kind of test here, only in the United States. Well, then we should fly him there. He is dehydrated in two weeks to fly. He would never make it. Well, then what? We will try to get fluids into him, and we will pray that he gains the strength to make the trip. I guess it's what they call a spoiler alert. He did live. <laughs> <laughs> He's married and served a mission in Brazil and has six, six children that lives in Mesa, Arizona. But, but the point is, who do you trust? I want to testify that I got to a point, because it was up and down and up and down, and but mostly down, uh, until just, well, I got to a point where I recognized that life is in the hands of the Lord. Your life is in the hands of God. You might think you control it. You have some control over parts of it. But I want you to know that your life is in the hands of God. And I want you to understand that as you trust him, he is trustworthy. And as you trust those such as President Monson, President Nelson, who trust the Lord, Things will work out. Let me read a scripture from the Doctrine and Covenants. Um, that, to me, says it all. Verily I say unto you, I will impart my spirit unto you, my spirit is that which enlightens your mind. Put your trust in that spirit which leadeth to do good, yea, to do justly, to walk humbly, to judge righteously. And this is my spirit. 
and one other, that's from the 11th section of the Doctrine and Covenants. And the last one, um, well, I'll, it's time to close. As the promise was made, as you trust me, everything will work out. I testify to you that God knows you, loves you, and trusts you to make right decisions. And the way you can make right decisions is by trusting him, saying your prayers, reading your scriptures. But maybe as important as any, by trusting those who you know have trust in God. When you find someone, be it an institute leader, a bishop, uh, your parents, a friend, who trusts God, and you know he trusts God, you can trust them, and you can follow them. We trusted our sisters. I trust Jean. I feel she trusts me. There is no greater gift than faith in Jesus Christ, which means we trust him. We believe in him. I testify to you with all of my heart that there is a resurrection. God does live. Jesus is the Savior. I have seen things that I can't say, but that allow me to know there is life after death. There is a resurrection. There is a time when we will give an account of what we've done here. And that account will be glorious if we have trusted the Lord and trusted those who trust the Lord. It will be something less than glorious if we don't trust the Lord, if we don't trust those who trust the Lord, or if we trust those who don't trust the Lord. I express my love to Jean and to her sister and to my sister. I express my love to each one of you. I know that God is aware of you and that he wants you to trust him by trusting those who trust him. I express my love to your faculty and to all those who are part of our lives. I testify that President Monson, who you saw in this picture, they found someone that looked just like him and talked just like him. In fact, the actor said, I listened to over 30 hours of President Monson's talk so I could get exactly the right inflection and sound just like him. Um, was is a prophet of God and President Nelson is God's mouthpiece on the earth today. Again, I leave my love and my blessings with all of you and do so humbly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you everyone for watching today. Remember to register for the Religion and Life class on the app so you can earn Institute credit for watching. Tune in here every Friday at 1130 and invite a friend to watch with you.